The content of this podcast is only intended for HCPs and the views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters. Welcome to our podcast series, Looking Back to Look Forward, the impact of the environment on fungal infections. In this final episode of our series, we will talk about a very timely topic, namely our changing environment and evolving fungal landscape. My name is Martin Hönigel. I'm a social professor for translational mycology at the Medical University of Graz in Austria. And it's my special joy and privilege to welcome today Jean-Pierre Gagneux to this podcast. Jean-Pierre is professor of medicine, specialized in mycology, tropical medicine, and environmental health at the Rennes Teaching Hospital in Rennes in France. He actually spent uh, most of his childhood and adolescence abroad in Ethiopia and other places around the world and developed a deep connection to the South, as they say in France, which really continued to drive um, his clinical mycology focus. He's authored to around 250 publications with over 11,000 citations, of which 8,000 occurred since 2018, clearly showing that um, he has been um, very, very active in the field um, and has been heavily involved also in scientific societies, such as serving as the chair of the French Society of Medical Mycology or as general secretary of the European Confederation of Medical Mycology, where I had really the special pleasure and joy to intensively work together with him and see firsthand his passion and outstanding knowledge in this field. He really is a key opinion lead in the field of clinical mycology, and I'm very much looking forward um, for us to hear his insights about the impact of our changing environment of our warming globe on the fungal threat. Jean-Pierre, how are you doing today? Very fine. Thank you very much, Martin. Thank you for the introduction and for your kind invitation. Thank you, Jean-Pierre. So let's start um, with an overview. Can you explain maybe to us um, how climate change on a broad term is contributing to the changing landscape of fungal infections? Yes, this is an important uh, question. Thank you, Martin. And what must be understood is that there are three mechanisms for the impact of global warming on the evolution of the risk of fungal infections. First of all, thermal adaptation and tolerance is a characteristic a characteristics of pathogenic fungi and the rising of environmental temperatures might represent an opportunity to become more pathogenic. So this is the first point. The second one is that rising environmental temperatures may induce a decrease in human body temperature. And this is important because that may lead to an increase of susceptibility of humans. And lastly, the third uh, and obvious uh, mechanism is that global warming can favor the growth of various fungi in the environment, leading to an increased risk of exposure. So you therefore understand that epidemi epidemiological changes are very easy to envisage and that we must be vigilant. Thank you, Jean-Pierre. So with all these mechanisms in place, of course, um, our concern is that there is new fungal pathogens that may emerge um, in a global warming world um, due to climate change. So are there specific examples you want to focus on and why we should 
be concerned about these emerging fungal pathogens? Yes, yes, there are some examples. And just before COVID-19 and more generally over the last 10 years, we learned to diagnose a species of yeast until now unrecognized, the so-called scary candida auris species. Why scary? Because this species spreads very quickly within the world, such as a nosocomial infection, and particularly in, in intensive care units. And the three mechanisms mentioned in the, answers to, in the answer to the first question are involved. The rising temperatures lead, led to an adaptation of the yeast. Human may become more susceptible and environmental niches may be favored. As an example for Candida auris, this yeast has been reco recovered in sand samples in different beaches in the world. So we have to be vigilant once again. Furthermore, human migration of patients infected between one hospital to another contribute to the transmission of Candida auris between countries. While this species was described in 29, in 2009, sorry, in Japan. If we can look at other examples uh, and climate changes, uh, climate change, sorry, has also been implicated as a cause of the spread of Cryptococcus from the complex Gatii. This is another yeast and the Cryptococcus deuterogatii is particular because uh, of its thermotolerance. And we can find other examples with other kinds of microscopic fungi, such as uh, the fungi responsible for histoplasmosis, coccidioidomycosis, or even uh, disease due to filamentous fungi. Thank you, Jean-Pierre. So one of the drivers of climate change worldwide are, of course, industrial activities that occur around the world. But there's also specific mechanisms how these industrial activities may impact the epidemiology of fungal infections and to some extent also Canada auris. Can you elaborate a little bit further on that? Yes, this is a, an important issue and a very good question uh, because Beyond the impact of industrial activity on global warming, of course, um, pollution is a major factor that can affect fungal growth and even resistance. Melanin is a good example because this molecule is very present in some fungi and provides protection against heat and UV exposures, but also protection against heavy metals and radioactive isotopes. And it has been shown now that this melanized fungi can proliferate in metal polluted areas, in acidic environments, in radioactively uh, polluted wastelands after nuclear catastrophes. So the, the fungi, is, uh, fung fungi are able to adapt. And besides rapid urbanization affects both climate change and microbial ecosystems in various ways. And as a, next, uh, as a last example, there is also the industrialization of our agriculture and the use of azole analog fungicides in agriculture has been linked to the emergence of antifungal resistance. And now the problem is that we are faced with resistant aspergillus that can cause human life-threatening aspergillosis.
and we need to develop new tools to detect this resistance. We need to develop new drugs uh, and to evaluate new drugs against this resistant aspergillus. Thanks, Jean-Pierre. So also for Canada Auris, obviously, a climate change played a role, as you beautifully pointed out, but also as, you know, you said somehow the, the urbanization and kind of like the expansion of agriculture into the wetlands where Canada Auris originally existed as a plant pathogen may have contributed to some extent for it to spread faster to humans and then towards the cities and the hospitals, um, as you pointed out. One other consequence of climate change is, of course, the emergence of natural disasters. And these are occurring now much more frequently than they occurred um, a few decades ago. And also those natural disasters have been associated with um, fungal outbreaks. So can you give some examples, talk more to how these natural disasters may contribute to fungal outbreaks and lead to fungal outbreaks and give some examples of like, some larger outbreaks that occurred after natural disasters? Yes, indeed. Natural disasters, including tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, tsunamis, earthquakes, and even wildfires and volcanic eruptions can predispose population to fungal outbreaks. And such disasters may favor fungal growth in natural habitats, but also in urban areas, being opportunities for increasing fungal exposure and exposure to mycotoxins. So one, one contamination with organic matter can lead to post-disaster skin and soft tissues fungal infections. And as an example, after tsunamis, for example, in 20, 2004, sorry, in India, soft tissue infections were linked to mucahalus fungi. Or even an increased incidence of coccidioidomyposis was observed in people who were employed to fight wildfires in US in 2017. So these are some examples of um, fungal disease after natural disasters. Thank you for jumping into the topic also about the routes of transmission, but can you elaborate a little bit more on the routes of transmission for fungal pathogens that we should be mindful of during and after natural disasters? I think it's always important to differentiate um, these two phases um, and particularly focusing, for example, on inter-host transmission um, and also, of course, on food and airborne and water um, as a driver of fungal infections also post-disaster. I, I completely agree with you that this is an essential point um, because prevention requires education. And um, what, what are the different routes? First, external routes of exposure such as inhalation of airborne spores, water, but also food. All these routes are important. Wound contamination and traumatic injuries are also a gateway for dissemination and thus for infection. So health authorities and people must be aware of that and prevention measures must be provided. But let's add also that inter-host transmission exists, as you mentioned. And uh, the best example is with Candida auris, as we discussed earlier because this yeast is able to spread from one patient to another very, very easily. So you can see that there is a panel of routes of infection and we must be aware of that. 
Thank you, Jean-Pierre, for lining out these multiple routes and you really this threat of um, fungal outbreaks following natural disasters. So generally, um, with this threat in mind, what could healthcare systems do to mitigate fungal outbreaks after these disasters? How could we prepare for that? Yeah, so this is also a very important point. And the first thing is that we have to know what we are fighting against. That means that uh, active monitoring is therefore required to detect increased risk of exposure outside, but also inside. And for example, after floodings and tsunamis, buildings and dwellings represent a major source of exposure and prompt and proper remediation can prevent large outbreaks of fungal infections or a huge number of fungal allergies in asthmatic patients, for example. All patients with chronic respiratory diseases are susceptible, but also for every individual because immediate and long-term remediation efforts in houses are crucial to avoid first prolonged exposure to mold spores but also to mycotoxins. And mycotoxins can affect both uh, healthy patients and immunosuppressed patients or patients with chronic respiratory diseases. So it is important to know that it is possible to decrease the indoor fungal burden, for example, with chlorine bleach and um, different uh, ways of remediation. Very important that, you know, we can do a lot of things actually after natural disasters to really, you know, reduce the impact of these natural disasters and their associated fungal outbreaks on us humans. So that's, I think, is really an important message um, to get out of the podcast that is post-disaster care, um, also post-disaster healthcare in terms of diagnosing fungal infections, thinking about fungal infections um, is very important. So going back basically to where we started and you beautifully lined out um, the threat of the emergence of new fungal pathogens due to climate change in a global environment. Can you also elaborate a little bit more what healthcare systems could do to better prepare for the emergence of these novel fungal pathogens like we have seen, for example, with Canada Auris? So this question is very complicated, uh, but perhaps uh, the most important of all. Um, we learned a lot of we learned a lot through experience and through analysis of the literature. Uh, this is essential. That's why it is very very important to report all case series, to report all epidemics, to describe the causes, the extent of the public health problem. And it's important to know how the episode resolved. So we can move towards recommendations. But besides this, it is very important to promote and to maintain diagnostic expertise, both clinical and microbiological, to give alerts. I think this is really, really important uh, for public health strategies. And then, as you can imagine, Funding is critical. It's a critical component of the response, particularly in low and middle income countries. But it is also important in our countries and, and active research for new diagnostic tools, for new treatments, for innovative strategies for prevention will be also of help. So uh, you can see that 
we need to have a, a point of view going from medicine to research and to public health. And perhaps by this way, uh, we, we will be more prepared for the emergence of such novel fungal pathogens after natural disasters. Thank you so much, Jean-Pierre. I think this is a beautiful um, last point um, you made in this podcast. And thinking of, uh, on a global level, of course, you know, climate change and natural disasters are not impacting the whole population the same, right? So it definitely has more impact on those low and middle income countries you mentioned, those poorer population, those populations that serve, that um, suffer from other social disparities around the world. And especially there, it's very important, as you emphasize, to have enough funding to be early with detecting novel pathogens, novel emerging pathogens, and to be able to detect um, fungal outbreaks that follow natural disasters and not react late. Because once we react late, um, some of these new pathogens may have spread to many other parts of the world already. Completely agree. Thank you so much, Jean-Pierre, for visiting our podcast today. That was really outstanding and really gave us an insight into how, on how some fungi strive and are much better to adapt to these changes that come with global warming than we humans are, actually. This really sets the urgency also for healthcare systems to prepare and better react to this increasing threat. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Martin. I hope this podcast sparked your interest in clinical mycology and you plan to stay engaged in the field. Thank you. Thank you. Mandy Farmer has sponsored the content and owns all rights, including all copyright, in this recording. This recording and any link to it may not be changed, supplemented or redistributed without the express written consent of Mandy Farmer.